Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the truth of your word given to us today. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You are the one who takes care of us. Lord, there is no need for our hearts to be anxious. We thank you, too, that you have given to us the gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins. Your very righteousness is a free gift. And today, Lord, as we look at your word, I pray that you would assure us once again of this promise that you've given to us in your word, that we will be with you for all of eternity in a place called paradise. So as we look at your word today, open our hearts. Open our hearts to you, that we would be transformed, and that we would go, that we would go as your disciples to a world that desperately needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's gospel lesson is taken from Luke chapter 16, Luke 16, 19 through 31, reading in Jesus' name. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. When nobody else is there for you, your dog will always be there. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said to them, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When we lived in New York, we lived right next door to a graveyard. There was a graveyard on two sides of us, to the south and then to the west. And people, people asked us, isn't it kind of creepy living right next to a graveyard? And I said, no, it's great. The neighbors are quiet. 
Oftentimes, kids, teenagers, would sneak into the graveyard at night. They thought it was kind of creepy to go into the graveyard and mess around. Sometimes teenage couples would go into the graveyard too. You know what I really enjoyed? I enjoyed sneaking up on them in the middle of the night in a graveyard and scaring the wits out of them. <laughs> I really did that. That's no joke. <laughs> you can have a lot of fun when you live next to a graveyard. I've, I've read some interesting tombstones too as I would walk around the graveyard. Then I learned that a guy filed a patent on a new type of tombstone. This is true. A tombstone with a TV screen on it so that you can leave a message for the living. So if you had that tombstone with that video message on it, what would you want to leave for the living? What message would you want to send to those that you have left behind. As I would go through the tombstone, I noticed that people had something to say. They had something to say on their tombstone. And one that I read was this. The tombstone read, I did it my way. I did it my way. How many of you know where that quote comes from? Raise your hand. I did it my way from Frank Sinatra. How did Frank Sinatra's song go? And he says, and now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway. But more, much more than this, I did it my way. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I do not want that written on my tombstone. That is not what I want on my tombstone. As Christians, as Christians, it's not our goal to live life my way, right? We desire more than anything to live life his way, to live life his way. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus introduces us to two completely different types of people who died. The two people Jesus introduces us to in Luke 16 really represent two groups of people. These are two groups of people that we find in the world today. One group says, I did it my way. I did it my way. And the other group says, I trusted in the Lord. And my desire was to do life his way, his way. One says that I've trusted, I've trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I've trusted in the same way that Abraham trusted. And remember, Abraham believed the Lord. He believed the Lord and it was reckoned or credited unto him as righteousness. So Abraham was saved not by his works but by faith. And then there are those who simply live life the way they want to live life. So everyone in our world is in one of two camps. There's no neutral position. In our world today, as it always has been, there are those who believe the gospel and there are those who do not believe the gospel. And the rich man and Lazarus represent those two camps. So today we examine 
the rich man and Lazarus. Because through examining them, we discover a lot about what life and death really mean. What is the meaning of life and death? So first of all, the rich man. The rich man represents the unbeliever. The text says that he, he lived in luxury every day. But in the end, we discover that he is impoverished, that his soul is bankrupt, that he does not possess salvation. And his unbelief is made evident. His unbelief is made evident in his lack of concern for the poor. The rich man had every opportunity to help and to support and to give to this poor man named Lazarus. But he showed no concern. He didn't take any action. He was focused on his own wants and desires. He did life his way. You see, if the rich man was right with God, he would have been moved by the grace of God to have concern for the man in poverty that was laid on his property. You see, unbelief will manifest itself in many sinful ways. A lack of concern for the poor is not the definitive litmus test of unbelief. A lack of concern for the poor is only one of many. Actually, many unbelievers, many who do life their way, who don't believe the gospel, do indeed have a deep concern for the poor. So unbelief will manifest itself in many ways. And one way is selfish ambition, a lack of concern for the needs of others. Regardless, we know this, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the life that is lived. An unbeliever will act like an unbeliever, and a believer, though not perfect, though still a sinner, will demonstrate a different lifestyle. I believe that Galatians points out that lifestyle for us in Galatians 5. Paul calls it the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. And against these, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So the rich man demonstrated his unbelief in that he didn't exhibit any of the fruits of the Spirit. There was no love. There was no love towards this poor man, Lazarus. So his unbelief is, is made evident in his lack of concern for this poor man. His unbelief is also made evidence, evident in his place in eternity. His place in eternity. 
I want us today to hear the reality of where unbelief leads us. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was in torment. And listen to this, he looked up and he, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away. Far away with Lazarus by his side. So the rich man, his unbelief, his unbelief is made manifest to us. Now we turn our attention to Lazarus. Lazarus, he lived in brutal poverty. Yet we know because his place was in heaven that he was rich in faith. Did you know that you can be dirt poor, have nothing at all, and be one of the richest people in the world? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you know the riches of, gra of, the, of the grace of God which he's provided for you. And his, his faith in God is made evident by his place in eternity. The scripture says the time came when the beggar died and what does it say? The angels carried him to Abraham's side. Rich beyond our comprehension wealthy beyond our ability to comprehend here on earth. He had nothing. He longed to eat the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. The only medical attention he had were the dogs that came and licked his sores. But he was wealthy beyond belief. See, the point isn't about the rich and the poor. Many rich people Many rich people have gone to Abraham's side. Abraham himself was a wealthy man. Did you know that? And he is given to us as, as, as the, uh, the one who, who embodies what it means to be saved by faith. Abraham believed God. Not because of his works, but because he believed God. He was counted righteous. And so we know that a man is not justified by works, but by faith. So the point of the parable has nothing to do with being rich or poor. The point of the parable is this, have you heard the word of the gospel? And do you believe? Do you believe? See, Lazarus heard the word of the gospel contained in the writings of Moses and the prophets. Lazarus believed the gospel and he was saved. He was declared righteous in the same way that Abraham was declared righteous by God. Again, not by works, but by faith. The rich man did not believe the message of the gospel contained in the writings of Moses and the prophets. And he was sent to a place of torment. This morning's parable has very little to do with giving to the poor. It has everything to do with believing the message of the gospel. Believe the message of the gospel. Believing the message of the gospel. Believing that is the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters in this life because that is the message which transforms us. That is the message which makes us a new creation in Christ Jesus, created in Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance that we would do. 
the only thing that matters in life and it's the only thing that matters in eternity. When we come to the Word of God, when we open God's Word, we are dealing with the weightiest issues that, that can be dealt with. Life, death, eternity. So what does eternity mean for those who do not believe the gospel? Well, we see from the scriptures that those who die without faith, without faith in Jesus Christ, are in torment. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. And then isn't this, isn't this interesting? There's no change of heart. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. He doesn't get it. Even in eternity, he wants the beggar to come and to serve him. Hebrews 9.27 says this, and besides or he tells us, it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So we see here that there is, there is no hope of the unbeliever crossing over from one side to the other. Once a person enters eternity, their place is locked. They cannot cross from the place called paradise or from the place of torment to the place called paradise. You see, there's no in-between place. There's no state of limbo. There's no purgatory. Souls who die go immediately to heaven or to hell. So there's no hope of the unbeliever crossing over from the one side to the other. Eternity is locked. But what does eternity mean for those who do believe in the gospel? It says that Lazarus was immediately taken to paradise. So you can know, believer, that when you die, you'll immediately enter into this place called paradise. Luke 23, 43, Jesus says this to the thief hanging on the cross. The thief is the believer hanging on the cross next to Jesus. And what does Jesus say? To the thief on the cross, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in what? Paradise. So those who die in Christ are immediately present with the Lord in a place that Jesus calls paradise. Maybe you've, you've thought of what paradise on earth would look like. A tropical beach. Uh, maybe a calm day out on the Puget Sound with your limit of fish caught in the cooler. An alpine slope with powder. Whatever your vision of paradise, what God has in store for those who believe is far better. Nothing on earth can compare to what we will see and what we will experience in eternity. Our minds can never begin to wrap around the joy, the beauty, the peace, 
fellowship. Heaven is also a place with absolutely no judgment. We live in such a judgmental culture. Unbelievable how judgmental this culture is. But in heaven, there's no judgment. There's no judgment. Why is there no judgment in heaven? Look to the cross. Look to the cross. There Jesus paid the price for our sins. Jesus went to the cross. He suffered for us on our behalf so that through faith in him we would be totally and completely pardoned of all wrongdoing. So through the cross, Jesus paid the price for you and your sins have been washed away. Reunited with, with believers who have preceded us in death. Who are you looking forward to seeing in heaven? Who do you long to see? There in paradise you'll be reunited with believers who have preceded you in death. Not only will we be at Abraham's side, but all believers will be at Abraham's side. There will be a reunion there like has never been seen before in this place called heaven. So I hope you understand and I hope you see the seriousness of this. Life, death, eternity, heaven, hell. So I close with this question, can we do anything to help those who do not believe? Is there anything that we can do? Have we been given anything from Jesus for those who do not believe? The answer is an emphatic yes. Jesus has entrusted us with the message of the gospel, the forgiveness of sin. So we have the message of the gospel to share with them. Have you committed yourself to praying for somebody who doesn't know? Have you been praying that the Holy Spirit will give you an opportunity to witness and to share with those who do not believe the gospel? So is there anything we can do to help? Yes, you can share the gospel with them. You can pray for them, believing that your prayers are powerful and effective. And you can invite them to church. I truly do believe that inviting people to come to church is a means of bringing them to know the Lord. So when you die, what do you want written on your tombstone? What message do you want to leave? The message I want to leave is this. The message that I want to leave is that the only hope that we have here in the ground is found at the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's only in trusting him that there can be peace and hope at the grave. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your word. 
Thank you for its truth. Thank you for the simplicity of it. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray for this congregation now. I pray for those who may be here today that aren't sure. They don't know if they'll spend eternity with you. I pray for them. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would confirm in their hearts even now that you went to the cross just for them, that you died there, and that you rose again, and that through trusting in you, through faith in you, there is forgiveness of sins and there is eternal life. I pray that you would work this reality in the hearts and the minds of all of us here today, and that by this word we would be transformed to live our lives with a message, not just saving the message for the day that we die and something is written on our tombstone, but that we would share that message today, the message of the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.